You're 43 years old. It's kind of the prime time for layoffs. You just went through one. Starting new tomorrow. You're 53 years old. That's not really a good time for starting something new. Didn't see that coming. You're 63 years old. What happened to retirement and time with the grandkids? Regardless of your age, anxiety is always going to come in our life. The problem is, is when it begins to have its way with you. We're going to be anxious. We're going to have fears. It's no sin to have fear. But the way in which we manage it might lead us into sin. And so I got some scripture here. And if you didn't notice on your bulletin insert there, I've got the acrostic calm going there. Is it an acrostic or an acronym? It's an acrostic, right? I don't know. Whatever it is. You see the word calm there. Today we're going to keep calm. We're going to carry on. Okay, so a couple of things here real quick. First of all, you might be fine and dandy today. And this may be going to go over your head. and You don't really need it. Well, maybe you do need this one today. Um, But there will be a day when you need this one. And so much so that we're going to tackle that scripture that's probably the most remembered, most acknowledged. It's the most highlighted. I said that a couple of weeks ago to start this whole thing. We're going to redo it again. We're going to go through it again. And uh, we're going to get some pointers on, from God on how no matter what's happening, we're going to maintain our calm. This is Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Real quick, it almost seems like a command. And Ben, you just said being anxious is not a sin. When we really break down the Greek tense of this, and I'm not really this smart. I heard this on a sermon this past week. When you really break down the Greek tense of this, it's admonishing us and challenging us not to maintain a state of anxiety, okay? So moments of anxiety are going to come. We can't really control that, uh, that they're going to come, but we can maintain and control them and manage them so they don't lead us to the places that we're, where we don't want to go. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Ah, that's some good stuff. The peace of God, which transcends your understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, just like a military guarding you. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you in the midst of your anxiety or your anxious events. Well, taking the time to spend on this subject because we're not doing so well with it. Um, the land of stars and stripes has become the land of stress and strife. It really has. So much so that you and I involved in this anxiety and having probably normalized it in our everyday life, we look around and we see the same thing. 
All of the Facebook jokes resonate with us because they're about being anxious. All of the tools or self-help books or things on Facebook, they resonate because, oh, wow, that maybe could help. We know that we're in the midst of all of this. We know that we struggle with it. But it's almost just become normalized because that's the place in which we live and the environment in which we live. What can we do about it and how can we be different? Robert Leahy is a pretty known psychologist if you're in travel in those circles at all. He says this. Check this one out, will you? The average high school kid today, ooh, I had a couple of them pipe right up. (laughs) The average high school kid today has the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient in the early 50s. We're falling behind here, aren't we? We're not really even treading water. That's pretty baffling because we're actually safer than we've ever been. One guy went in to see a doc. He said, doc, you got to help me. I, I can't figure this out. I don't know what's going on. Last night, I dreamed I was a pup tent. <laughs> the night before, I dreamed I was a teepee. What in the world's going on? What do you think? And the doctor said, that's easy. You're too tense. Okay, friends, come with me. Come with me now. We're going we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna to dive into some words here, okay? Let's put them all three up there. Okay, see? Let's decipher here a little bit so we know what we're talking about. And whenever we decipher things like this, it kind of maybe gives us a little clarity. Let's start at the bottom. Let's go with fear. Fear is a negative emotion. Nobody would disagree with that. It's about something that is a threat to my well-being, all right? coronavirus, right? Maybe that's not all that big of a threat, but I know you're watching it, right? I know you're watching it. You're counting how many United States examples there are, right? Last I saw there was 14. That's up from three a week ago. A negative emotion about something that's a threat to your well-being, but it doesn't just need to be something that does what has to do with our health. Our well-being my happiness, maybe, my joy, my way of life and my comfort as I know it. We would all call that our well-being. And I do, I have fears, I have negative emotions about things that pose a threat to that. That also lends me or causes me probably to have anxiety. That's unease about a person, place, thing, or event that I cannot control. Because if I cannot control the person, place, or event, then it remains a threat to my well-being. And so my anxiety is because I cannot control the things in my life so that I can mitigate that fear and allay it, hopefully. And then if things get bad and if things get worse, I begin to develop a persona, which is worry. That's mentally dwelling on a problem, and it's a chronic concern. I also have a chronic problem with that concern or any other concern. Worry is just something that sticks with me. And as I kind of mentioned earlier, it's to the point now where I've really kind of just normalized that. And I worry, 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 worry all the time. I've almost made a way of life about it. Okay, so four points, calm, C-A-L-M. 
Let's go through that. Let's see how this scripture can help us with all of that. And let's just first of all pray that hopefully out of all of this that we talk about today that we can actually live here different, leave here differently, armed with some tools that are really going to help us, okay? So God in heaven, we know that your will for our life is peace, not panic, calm, not chaos. And God, we've missed it. We've missed the mark there so many times in our life, maybe every day. God, I pray that we could have the courage to take what we learned from your scripture today and apply it. And as simple of a prayer as that might be, God, I pray we could actually do it differently this time and, and get the job done. And that we would be able to have the tools needed just to manage all of these things that come our way, that take away our joy, and that also put division between you and I and enhance the distance between you and I. God, I, that's our prayer So as we go through your wonderful scriptures that you've given as an aid, be with us and help us. Amen. All right, number one, we're going to celebrate God's goodness. We're going to lift our eyes up to the Lord and we're going to rejoice in him. Nearly impossible, you would say, when you're in the midst of it all, right? When the circus of chaos is going on, here comes a wonderful pastor with this. Celebrate God's goodness. What we're trying to do here is we're trying to switch what we're thinking about onto God's goodness, all right? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, what Paul says here. And it's almost if he's saying, Ben, you didn't hear me the first time. I'm going to say it again. You got to do this. You got to rejoice in God's goodness. You got to purposely try to find and focus on God's goodness even in the midst of what bad may have come in our life. So this is a conscious decision for me to do this. You can see this played out in the story of Peter walking on the water. What happened? Jesus comes out walking on the water. They're afraid because they, they think to see, have seen a ghost. And he says, don't be afraid. <laughs> don't be afraid. That's what he says to them when they... They're in the midst of the waves, seen a ghost. Peter says, if it's you, ask me to come on out. And Jesus says, come on out. And he gets out of that boat and he starts to walk on that water. You and I have never done that. But what does the scripture specifically say? Got out of the boat, he walked on the water, he came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. There's his fear. And he began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. In your bulletins, if you're filling in, here's the the thing. Don't meditate on the mess. If you do, it just gets bigger, right? Oh, we can waste a lot of time doing that. Our cue or our cure for that is just simply this. We're going to rejoice in how good God is and how good he's been to us. That's going to take our mind to a different place. Now, that takes a lot of practice, and it takes a lot of inner fortitude to be able to do that. But that's the ideal, and that is the tool. Can you, when you are awake this week, churning and churning and churning in all of the strife, can you remember something different and just draw a line and say, I'm going to rejoice in how good God is? This is the ailment of us as Christians 
we have forgotten or taken for granted how fantastic God is to us. You can see it in the simple fact that the wonderful creation of God has become old hat to us. How? How? It's because we've forgotten to take the time to rejoice in him and his goodness. Wow, it's so easy to do. So easy to gravitate, meditate on the mess that's around us. But here's how we do it differently. We're going to rejoice in him and his goodness. We're going to think about it. It's good to have a wife that helps you with this too. Pure and thorough in her heart. (laughs) Always thinking about how good God is and always reminding me of that as well. But let's look look at Peter. He took his eyes off Jesus, put his eyes on the mess, and that's where it all started. What a simple story of what simply happens in your and my life, probably on a daily basis. So let's do it differently. If today you feel like you're sinking, or if today you feel like you're stuck, let's lift our eyes up to God and rejoice in him as our Lord. Is God greater than your problem? Has God faced that problem before? Does God have a solution? Has God got solutions that you've never thought of before? Has God gotten you through it before? Does God have a good track record? Is God strong? Is God sovereign? Is God still on the throne? Is God still in control? There, I just guided you through it. We're lifting our eyes up and we're rejoicing in God, his strength and his goodness just by asking a series of questions. So, when you're up this week, can you do it? Change the thinking and rejoice in how good God is. All right, next, number two. We ask God for help. Now that we have, in a sense, calmed ourselves, now we can sit down and we can talk with God. Verse 6 says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, present your requests to God. (coughs) That is a decision to be made. Yesterday, we came up for a doctor's appointment. It's just hanging on and hanging on, right? Time to go do something. We didn't even want to drive to Carol. We wanted to be in bed all day, but we come up for a, dri- for a doctor's appointment. While we're sitting there waiting, why don't you just check the movies and see if a matinee's on? Check the movies. We went to a movie. We went to a two-hour movie. Didn't see that one coming. Come out of the movie and the tire's flat, right? Not the day for this. Underdressed, look horrible. Now we got to go out into public, right? But first of all, I got I to gotta take a jog to Casey's to get a can of filler tire up, right? I just got a small coat on. I don't even have a hat on. That's not a jog that I wanted to do or felt like doing, but off I go to do the jog, right? As I'm walking, I, boy, I sure wish somebody would see me and pick me up. Or maybe I'll see somebody at Casey's and they'll drive me back. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe. But did I pray and ask God for that? No, I didn't. I get to Casey's, I buy the can of stuff, I walk out the door of Casey's and there's a truck pulling right into Casey's of somebody that says, do you need a ride? Ah, well, look how good that worked out, right? That's one good thing that happened. 
So, went back, pumped the tire up, made it out to Walmart just fine. My wonderful wife, who's always full of God's goodness, says, Hey, when you were jogging to Casey's, were you praying about it? (laughs) Well, I, you know, I was, I thought, this is literally what I said. I thought, you know, maybe God would send somebody to help out or drive me back so I wouldn't be cold anymore. And, uh. She said, well, I did pray about it. And the person that picked you up came to me and I sent them to you right after I prayed. How come you and I, as Christians, don't think to ask God? I don't know why we do this. I don't know why I don't do this enough. Is it because it's not a big enough problem to bother God? I don't know. We could ask a bunch of questions like that. But we don't do this enough. We're specifically told to do it here. Psalm 121, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. There's permission for us right there. And it's also, it says, I lift my eyes up to the Lord. That's a decision being made. So fear is going to, is going to trigger despair or prayer. Ask yourself, what does it trigger the most? Literally, when you're in a moment of fear, maybe great, maybe small, that moment of fear or anxiety, what does it trigger in you? Is it despair or does it trigger prayer? Answer honestly. I don't think my answer personally is as good as it should be. Yesterday, I wasn't in despair, but I certainly didn't want to jog to Casey's. But why didn't it trigger prayer? I don't know. If you're writing in the bulletin, the path to peace is paved with prayer. You would think the pastor could live out his own points, huh? (laughs) All right, this one. I like this one. This one appeals to my mind. Find a promise that fits your problem and make a prayer out of it. Have you ever tried that one? First of all, you got to know what the promises are. So it goes without saying that we need to be in the scriptures reading them so that we know what God has promised. But you know that he's promised to meet all of your needs. But you also, aside from the scriptures, have the unique promises that God has put down into your heart. And for you and I to align next to them and live by them is probably something else that we haven't done. So dreams come along and plans. Also, genuine hopes and desires for loved ones to come to Christ. Whatever it might be, God has put those promises in effect down into your heart. But so often when the day of anxiety comes, we seem to kind of give up on them. And we listen. We listen to the voice of the enemy rather than finding the promise that fits our problem and just praying on it over and over and over. Isaiah 62, 6 says this, I've posted watchmen on your walls, Jerusalem, and they will never be silent day or night. You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest and give him no rest till he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. These are some folks in Isaiah that are crumbling under the oppression of Jerusalem. And so fear, anxiety, worry is there every day with them hanging on them and so this guy Isaiah challenges them we have watchmen on the walls for protection but you have to go to God 
and take no rest. We got to be, we got to go to God and ask for his help. And we're not going to give God any rest. We're going to bang on the door of heaven over and over and over. Now, their situation certainly more dire than ours, but the principle still stands. You can ask God for help. And we also should ask ourselves, why don't I do that more? I read this prayer this week. Lord of the universe, I want to propose a deal. We have many sins. You have much forgiveness. Let us exchange our sins for your forgiveness. And if you should say that this is not a fair exchange, then our reply is, if we had no sins, what would you do with all of your forgiveness? God is there in the day of our need. Why don't we just go to him? The scripture says, don't be anxious in anything, but there's an alternative. There's a counter move. By prayer and petition, present your requests to him. Ask for his help. I know, there's nothing earth shattering there. But if you're anything like me, I didn't even do it yesterday. I bet that's the same for you as well. Ask for his help. Otherwise, the anxiety is going to have its way with you. But draw close to God. Ask for his help. Number three, leave your requests or your concerns with him. Verse six, we're present our requests with God and we're going to leave them there. Uh, I had to take the car in uh, for the tire yesterday at Walmart. And I don't know if you've ever done that or if you've ever had to take your car in or any appliance that you've had to take in. But here's what you do, right? You, you, you get there and you go in and you say, hey, here's what's wrong. You know, can you guys fix it up? And they say, yeah, we'll, we'll do it. And then you take your sleeping bag and you unroll it right there on the floor, don't you? And just say, okay, I'm going to be right here if you need anything. If you got any questions, like you know how to do it, right? <laughs> no, I was over to Subway because I was hangry yesterday, right? You guys take care of it. It's the same thing with God. Why can't we leave it there? Now, there's a little bit of a trick to this. I know you're all saying, yeah, you know, pray about this and let, and let God be there with it and put it in, and have, have him deal with it. But what we're doing in all of this is we're building our faith. God is building our faith to establish our buoyancy, all right? Buoyancy. Didn't see that word coming, Ben. Well, you know the buoy out in the lake, the, the bouncing bobs, right? They don't ever go under, right? Like weebles wobble, but they never fall down. You remember those when you were a kid? God's trying to establish our buoyancy. He's trying to keep us calm so that we can carry on. So it goes back to the title of the sermon. You know where that phrase came from? It's a World War II thing. During the Blitz, when all the people in London and England, the German bombers are flying over, the bombs are falling down, the air raid sirens go off and down into the dungeons they go for protection. So the phrase came out from the higher-ups, keep calm and carry on. Are you kidding me? When the bombs are dropping, keep calm and carry on. If Winston Churchill can get a nation to do that in the midst of physical, real bombs from the Germans, God can do it as well. That no matter what is happening and going on, you and I, bobbing around, caught in the waves and the wind, 
we can still maintain our calm. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Even yesterday, when I'm hangry, right? Why do we have to be hangry? <laughs> oh no, you gotta skip a meal? God is trying to develop the inner fortitude of faith in us, to strengthen us up on the inside so that he can grow us and build us up and get ready, get us ready for what he's put, the promises that he's put down into our heart. We don't all the time go with him. So if I do this, if I pray and leave my requests with God, and I'm going into that job interview that I'm a little nervous about, if I've prayed about that job interview and I've asked him to take care of this, I've asked him to give me the words to say, I've asked him to be with me as I go in there, I go into that job interview and I have a level of gratitude and confidence rather than all of the anxiety that would normally come with it. I've prayed it, I've stayed it with God, and now it's just in his hands and I can live with that. So instead of going in anxious, I can go in grateful that God's going to do what he's going to do here. He's going to give me the words. I don't have to be nervous. I don't have to be full of anxiety. I'm maintaining my buoyancy. All right, here's Psalm 3. Put this one up there. Is it up there? Look at it there. This is David, a perfect example of him doing just this. Hey, you know what, man? I lay down and I sleep. I wake up again because the Lord sustains me. Every day, I get through every day. <laughs> I've had this, I've had that. On this occasion, he says, so I'm not gonna fear the tens of thousands that are drawn up on, against me on every side. His son and his son's army are coming after him and he's running from his life for his life at that time. You know what? God's hands. I've had so many enemies after me. I've ran for my life before. I've stared a giant right in his face. I've been to the Philistines. Over and over and over my whole life. But God has been with me. And every day of my whole life, I laid down, went to sleep, woke up again the next day. Why? Because he's there. He sustains me. And that promise alone, that promise alone, no matter what you got going today, might just be all you need to hear. You're going to get through the day. So let's come around that confidence, put some faith in it, and walk with him through the day. We're going to be just fine. We're going to be just fine, even if we got to skip a meal. Number four, we're going to meditate on good things. Verse 8, whatever is noble, whatever is, I won't bore you with that list, but think about these things. Simple. We're trying to restructure what we put on our mind, right? We were sitting in Subway eating yesterday, and Christina says, you know, life just has given us some lemons today, hasn't it? Have you had that happen before? Life giving you lemons. Well, you know what they say. Make the lemonade, right? Well, you look around and you think, it doesn't seem like everybody else is getting lemons. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. The rich get lemons. The poor get lemons. The old get lemons. 
The young get lemons. Everybody's going to get lemons all their life. We just don't have to suck on them. (laughs) But we do. We do. So Paul's challenge to us here is, let's not do that. Let's not worry. Worry is what happens when we suck on lemons. We get into that, the habit of just pondering on it. So let's flip our minds over to all the good things that God has in store for us. In your bulletin, worries turn into idols. So when we worry, we replace God. Next, indulging God with our thinking involves the deliberate choice. And so that's why we are told here, think about such things. Again, think about these things. So simple. But this is the tool for us to help us in our thoughts. All right, now, I'm going to read the passage on worry from Matthew. I know you've heard it before. I'm going to start with the verse that you don't necessarily connect with it, okay? Remember, worry turns to idols in our life. And you cannot serve two masters. Either you're going to hate the one or love the other. Or you're going to be devoted to the one, despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money or anything else you want to put in the place of money. So, therefore, Jesus says, because you can't serve two masters, don't worry about your life. All of the things that money would correct and make, make well. Don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. What you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow Reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Ah, what a simple question to ask yourself. God, God's got them covered. You're way more valuable than them. Might not seem like it when you're going through the mess, but it's the truth. And can you add anything to your life by worrying? No, but we sure can take time away from our life with our worry. Worry leads to idols. Because with worry, if you remember, we've established that perpetual thought process, that chronic ailment that never goes away. Let's break that stronghold today. Today. All right? Listen to this. Today I will live today. Yesterday is past Tomorrow is not yet. I'm left with today. Today I will live today. Relive yesterday? No. I will learn from it. I will seek mercy for it. I will take joy in it, but I won't live in it. The sun has set on it. The sun has yet to rise on tomorrow. Worry about the future? To what gain? I can't change tomorrow until tomorrow. I will live today. I will face today's challenges today, dance today's waltz with today's music. I will celebrate today's opportunities with today's hope today. May I laugh, listen, learn from today. And if tomorrow comes, may I do the same. How do you add an hour to your life by worry? This is what I want to say it again. This is the Christian ailment. We worry too much. 
The counter is the Christian doctrine of faith in God. (laughs) It's how we please God. It's how we are deemed righteous. It's how we are saved. It's how we grow. It's how we accomplish the promises and dreams God has put into us. Now, I sit there and I say that, and you're all in agreement. But why, when the wind and the waves come, do they easily so, so easily attract our attention and take our eyes off God and cause the distance between him and I and cause us to lose faith? Wow, what a predicament. And you and I, who live in America, are probably <laughs> some of the biggest offenders. Which country do you think registers the lowest anxiety? Mexico. All that we have and all that we perceive that they don't have, well, guess what? They don't have the burden and the rain cloud trailing them that anxiety is. And you and I can be like them. It's enough to make you want to move to Acapulco, isn't it? Go down and do some beach time. Well, an airplane to the beach might not be uh, for you this weekend. But this scripture that everybody loves and everybody knows is right there waiting to be applied by you. Because everybody loves it and everybody knows it, but so few apply it. Hopefully we can do that today. Let's pray. God, we are offenders. Um, but just as the prayer earlier, you are full of forgiveness. We ask for it now. Not only that, but also your aid to come alongside us with that scripture. Comfort us. Be there with us. God, walk with us through the steps. God, help us to avoid this horrible, the darkness of just having our eyes taken off of you and just forgetting you to whatever degree we might. God, help us fill our sails and make us alive again with the pure knowledge of you, the full knowledge of you, the knowledge of your son. Help us, oh God. In your name I pray, amen. Let's go ahead and stand. Let's hand ourselves off to him. Specifically, our thoughts. Take a second to think about what it is right now that's causing you the anxiety. And as we sing, let's run through the calm. Let's celebrate him. Let's take our, let's ask him for help and let's leave our petitions with him. And let's just reroute our thinking as we hand ourselves off to him and as we sing to him. Let's pray. Father, go with us today. Your promise is that you will always be with us, God. And I pray that we can internalize that as we leave out these doors today, that you are always with us. You'll never leave. You'll never forsake. God, restructure our thinking and our faith around that promise. And let us pray that promise through whatever problem that might come upon us. God, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your choice to love and honor us. Pray we would do the same this week. Back to you in Jesus' name, amen.